This is really a psalm that we should be going to quite frequently. And when we meditate on it, our affections toward him grow stronger because we see the wonderful character of our gracious God. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and thanks for joining me in the Fox Den. Today, I want to take a review of Psalm 23. It's often read during funerals or memorial services, so it's a go-to psalm in a time of loss. Now, why is that? Well, the words of this psalm soothe and comfort the grieving heart. It paints a marvelous picture of God's caring presence with his people. Yet, this psalm is really appropriate for all times. In other words, we shouldn't limit this psalm just to times of loss, just to be read during funerals or memorial services. This is really a psalm that we should be going to quite frequently. It reveals God's goodness, grace, sovereignty, and security. And when we meditate on it, our affections toward him grow stronger because we see the wonderful character of our gracious God. Now, this may be painfully obvious to you, but the first thing to note about this psalm is that it's a metaphor. David is not a sheep who lies down in green pastures, but this psalm is a metaphor that beautifully describes our God by using the imagery of a shepherd. Now, because this metaphor uses earthly pictures, for instance, shepherd, pasture, table, and so on, it's tempting to think only in terms of earthly matters when reading this psalm. For example, God meets our earthly needs, such as providing food, shelter, and protection. Now, this is true. God has provided for me throughout my entire life. He has provided for you throughout your entire life. You have food on the table because of God. He has provided shelter for us. He has protected us. Yet, if we simply look at this psalm from an earthly perspective, we're actually left empty. And perhaps we may even question the truth of this psalm. For example, what about Christians around the world who are starving to death? Has God expelled them from the green pastures? What about the Christians who are being persecuted and killed for their faith? Has the Lord their shepherd abandoned them in the valley of the shadow of death? You see, if we apply this psalm to the earthly alone, we have problems. Furthermore, to maintain an earthly interpretation alone misses the main thrust of this psalm. Therefore, it's important to shift this earthly metaphor toward the spiritual principles it aims to communicate. So the main idea of this psalm is the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The rest of the psalm describes the ways in which David shall not lack anything. But let's spend a moment or two on this first verse. And the first thing I want you to notice is the relationship between David and the Lord. You see, he says that the Lord is his shepherd. David doesn't say that the Lord is a shepherd. It's not just that God is shepherd-like, though that may be true. He says that the Lord is his shepherd. So it's personal. God isn't some distant God who's out of reach. He's not a God who merely keeps the earth spinning. He isn't simply a God. He is my God. The Lord is my shepherd. And what David means by this is that he knows his shepherd's voice. You see, there's a personal relationship here. 
Now, we need to consider this from the opposite angle. If the Lord is David's shepherd, then David is the Lord's sheep. Through this shepherd metaphor, David beautifully communicates a relationship, an intimacy between God and himself. And by the way, we see the same thing in John chapter 10, verse 14. And there Jesus says that he is the good shepherd, and he knows his sheep, and they know him. There's a loving personal relationship between the shepherd and his sheep, between Jesus and his people. That's the relationship that we have with the Lord, our shepherd. He's not a Lord. He's our Lord. He's not a God. He's our God. He's not just a shepherd. He's our shepherd. So David is identifying this personal relationship that he has with God. Now let's look at something else in verse 1. And I've already somewhat touched on it earlier. David says that he shall not want. But what does David mean by that? Well, it's actually quite simple. He doesn't mean that he's made a decision not to want or to desire something. David's a passive participant here. Ultimately, David acknowledges that he will lack nothing under his shepherd. That's what he means that he shall not want. He shall not lack is really what David is getting at. The Lord is his shepherd and he will provide for every need that David has. And notice here that there is a future implication to this psalm. David doesn't say that he lacks nothing. He says that he shall not lack anything. It's a present reality that reaches into the future. Said another way, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing and I will never lack anything that I need. Our shepherd meets all of our spiritual needs now and will meet our spiritual needs forever. There will never come a time when you will need anything spiritually. Because God is our shepherd, our spiritual needs are met. Paul says something similar in his letter to the Ephesians. Look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. In Christ, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Notice first that the spiritual blessings are already given We've already received them. We're not waiting to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We already have them. And also notice here that we weren't blessed with many spiritual blessings. We weren't even blessed with most of the spiritual blessings. God blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Do you realize that? You who are in Christ, at this very moment, you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have regeneration grace, mercy, forgiveness, redemption, peace with God. Physically, you may starve to death. Your enemy may even overcome you and take your life physically, yet spiritually, you are secure. You have everything you need, and your blessings are overflowing. In Christ, God has given us everything we need spiritually. Said another way, from a spiritual perspective, God is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. At this point, let me go ahead and take a slight, but I believe necessary, detour. In John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus says that the Old Testament bears witness about him. And a few verses later, he says that Moses wrote about him. Now, to give you kind of the context of this, Moses lived about 1,400 years before Jesus was even born. So, when Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, 
He was speaking about Jesus, and that's the point that Jesus is making. And then also, after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus, he showed two men how the Old Testament points to him. And we see that in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. That means the Old Testament is more than a history book, and it's more than a book of rules. It's ultimately a book that points to Jesus. And because this is true, we read the Old Testament with Christ in view. So what does that mean for Psalm 23? It means that Psalm 23 is a metaphor describing Jesus. And this is easy to support because in John chapter 10, Jesus refers to himself as the Good Shepherd. So Jesus is our shepherd, and we shall lack nothing. And that's the point that Paul makes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, when he says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now let me return to Psalm 23 with Christ in view and see how we lack nothing from the Lord our shepherd. As I've already mentioned, the main idea of this psalm is verse 1. The Lord is our shepherd, and because he is our shepherd, we will lack nothing. Then in the second verse, we see that our shepherd provides rest. And that's the picture David wishes to invoke here with green pastures and still waters. And this implies that the shepherd first brought his sheep to this place of rest. And Paul says something similar in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Speaking of the Father, he says that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of Christ. And this is a good parallel for Psalm 23, verse 2. God took us from chaos, destruction, and wrath from the domain of darkness, and he transferred us to the kingdom of Christ. And Jesus says something similar as well. In verse 16 of John chapter 10, Jesus says that he has sheep from another fold, and he must bring them, and they will listen to his voice. We were enemies of God, but Christ reconciled us with God by taking our sins on himself and suffering the wrath of God that we deserve because of our sin. By giving himself as a sacrifice, he turned the wrath of God away from us and reconciled us to God by his death on the cross. Now we have peace with God. Our rest is secured by the work of Christ. We have rest, and we will always have rest in Christ, even though our earthly lives may be filled with chaos. Jesus himself tells us of rest that we find in him. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he invites us to come to him, and he will give us rest. But there's more. In verse 3, David says that the shepherd restores his soul. At first, we were at war with God. We hated him. But God did something gracious and amazing. He bought us with the blood of Christ while we were his enemies. God redeemed us and made us new. Ultimately, our good shepherd restored our souls through the work of regeneration, where he makes the spiritually dead spiritually alive. Paul beautifully describes this redemption and regeneration in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And you can listen to episode 5, where I discuss Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 in full. But here's the picture that Paul is painting. We were spiritually dead, completely unresponsive to God, but because of God's grace and mercy, he made us alive with Christ. And now we will never die spiritually, even though we will die physically. It's an amazing thing when you think about it. God takes the spiritually dead, 
breathes life into them like he did in our physical bodies back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and we become spiritually living beings. And all this by the grace of God. Now, in conjunction with this soul restoration, the shepherd leads his sheep in paths of righteousness. And Paul speaks to this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, where he says that it's God that works in us both to will and to work for God's good pleasure. Our shepherd rescues us by his grace and leads us by his word and spirit. But look at what the psalm says at the end of verse 3. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. You see, it's Christ's name at stake, not mine. When I sin, I don't merely dishonor my name. I dishonor his name. When I am gracious, loving, merciful, forgiving, I honor his name. It's his name at stake, so he leads us in paths of righteousness. And ultimately, that's what God called us to do. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Our baptism is a sign that we have been buried with Christ. And just as Christ rose from the dead, we too are to walk in newness of life. You see, we died with Christ. That's what our baptism is a sign of. And because we died with Christ, now we're to walk in newness of life. Now we're to walk in paths of righteousness. But don't think that by walking in paths of righteousness, now you need to earn God's favor by righteous living. No, we are to live righteous lives because we've been saved, not in order to be saved. You see, now that we're kingdom citizens, now we're to walk in a manner that is pleasing God. Now we are to walk in a manner that honors his name. Now we are to walk as kingdom citizens. You see, our eternal life in heaven has already begun. And so now we are to walk in newness of life. We are to walk as people who have been made spiritually alive. God brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son, and he calls us to live as kingdom citizens while we walk on this earth. Our kingdom living has already begun. We're just waiting to go home. But there's more. David says in verse 4 that even though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, he's not going to fear evil. Why? Because God's with him. The picture David paints here is death lurking to apprehend its victim. Yet notice it's merely the shadow of death. A shadow has the image of something, but it lacks the substance. It merely takes the shape as the object blocks light. It's true that we will die, but we will also rise from the dead like our good shepherd. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 6 verse 5. Just as we have died a death like Christ, we are also going to rise from the dead like he rose from the dead. Jesus himself says this in John chapter 5 verse 28 and 29. He says, a time is coming where the people in their tombs will hear his voice and they will come out of their tombs. Christ conquered death by his death and resurrection. Again, it's true that we all have an appointment with death, but it's merely temporary. The ground will hold us only for a moment. And then at the voice of our good shepherd, the grave will relinquish its grip and we will come forth in glorified bodies that will never sin, suffer, or die again. But there's something else to see here. 
David says that he will fear no evil, and the reason for that is that God is with him. David exudes confidence in the shepherd. He knows that the Lord is faithful. Even in death, David is untouchable because the Lord is with him. That is the confidence in the midst of our lives. As things seem to be pressing in on us, and especially when we are on our deathbeds, we can have confidence that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. The Heidelberg Catechism, question one, discusses this very thing. And you can listen to episode 15, where I discuss question one in detail. But that question asks, what is our only comfort in life and in death? And it says that my only comfort is that I belong to Christ, both in life and in death. And that's the point that David's getting at here. He knows that he belongs to his shepherd, and his shepherd is faithful, even in death. But David goes on in verse 4 by saying that God's rod and staff comfort him. The rod and staff are symbols of the Lord's protection and guidance. The rod was used as a weapon against predators, and the staff was used to guide and control the sheep. David says that the protection and guidance of the Lord comforts him. And we can be certain that the Good Shepherd will protect us from our enemies. In fact, Christ has already conquered the ultimate enemy. Quoting Hosea chapter 13, verse 14, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, Paul says to death, Where's your victory? Where's your sting? These are rhetorical questions. Paul is agreeing that death no longer has a sting. Death lost. That's Paul's point. Our good shepherd sustains us by his word and spirit and protects us through this life and keeps us into the next. And then David continues in verse 5, saying that God prepares a table before him in the presence of his enemies and anoints his head with oil. And then he says that his cup overflows. Now, there's something minor to note here. There is a shift from the shepherd metaphor to a host metaphor. Before, we saw the green pastures, but now we see a table. Before, we saw still waters, but now we see a cup overflowing. Perhaps the shift here is a shift from earthly to heavenly. Perhaps the shepherd metaphor reminds us of God's spiritual provision during our earthly life. Then after we pass through the valley of the shadow of death, We come to the table that the Lord has provided in our eternal rest. Nevertheless, the idea here is bounty and abundance. Certainly the table and the cup give us an image of a feast. And notice how the cup is not simply full. It's overflowing. This is a great feast. It's a celebration. Christ is the victor over sin, death, and the devil. And we are brought into this great feast by God's grace. You see, sin, death, and the devil are defeated. And we're reminded in Philippians chapter 2, verse 11, friend and foe will admit that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, David concludes his psalm in verse 6. And here David recognizes what he has received and the basis of this gift. He has received goodness, but this was undeserved. This was based on mercy. Because of God's goodness and mercy, David knows without a doubt that he will indeed dwell with God forever. And this is our confidence in Christ. We will rise from the dead and enter into our eternal rest with our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Psalm 23 points forward to the Good Shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He is your shepherd. You lack nothing. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that God blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He has provided you with rest, with new life, with protection, with redemption, with reconciliation, with righteousness. You have everything you need spiritually, even if you are without physically. Be careful not to gauge your spiritual blessings by your physical needs. In Christ, you have all that you need. And with Christ in view and looking at Psalm 23 from a spiritual perspective, Jesus is your shepherd. You shall lack nothing. 